Now when I look at this text that we're going to be reading from, Philippians 2, verse 19 to 30, there were two people that Paul intentionally celebrated. Two people that by celebrating their action, their behavior, he was actually sending a message to the church. So the two people that I want to chat around are Timothy and help me out there. Epaphroditus. I'm going to have to practice that one a bit more. Timothy and Epaphroditus. These are two guys. And in case you're wondering, no, that's not the real people. Okay? <laughs> but, uh, but Timothy was a young guy. And Epaphroditus, that looks like an Epaphroditus. It's sort of like a computer, which is what his name they are to. So I want to talk to you about Timothy and Epaphroditus. So you'll see a scripture coming up on the screen behind me. Philippians 2, verse 20 and 21. And this is Paul celebrating certain attributes of Timothy. He says this, For I have no one like him who will genuinely, sorry, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For all they seek is their own interests, not those of Christ. Excuse me. Isn't it amazing that he has this incredible man, Paul, who's been discipling so many people and he wants to send people to the church in Philippi. And he says, I have no one like him among them who will be genuinely concerned for your well-being. Everyone else is seeking their own interests, not the interests of Christ. And when I read that, something in my heart stirred. And I said, Lord Jesus, if I was hanging around Paul, would I be a Timothy? Or would I be everyone else who's concerned with their own interests? And the first thing, that I want to challenge us with this morning is a revelation, a fundamental truth that Paul understood and that Timothy understood. And that truth is this, and Paul actually mentions it in Acts 20 verse 35. He says, remember the words the Lord Jesus spoke, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now that's one of those things that if you've been hanging around church circles, you've probably heard that. And you'll be like, yes, more blessed to give than to receive. But do we really believe that? Are we just convicted by that statement or are we committed to that statement? Here Paul says, this is a man like no other man because he is committed to the interests of Christ above his own interests. He realizes he has a revelation that is more blessed to give than to receive. And friends, that is this incredible gospel message. The message that Jesus came and gave of himself in every interaction, up until the ultimate gift, which was his life. He gave himself for us. We were singing about this morning. He gave himself in a shameful death on a cross. But it didn't stop there. The gospel message is that he rose again. He's exalted on high. He's ruling and reigning. He's given us that authority so that we can give our lives for those around us. We can give our lives for His purposes, not our own. Incredible thing, this thing of giving instead of receiving. But I want to ask you a question. How do we get to the point where we're able to give rather than receive? How do we get to the point where we're able to lay down our own interests and take up the interests of someone else? Can I suggest this? It's only when you have vision that you're able to make sacrifice. It is only when you have vision that you're able to make sacrifice. I remember when I was young, one of the first 
vacations or vocations that, that, that I wanted to do. I wanted to be a, a professional soccer player. That's from a young age, that's what I wanted to do. And I remember training hard. I remember, you know, sacrificing, getting up early, going to bed late, kicking a ball against the wall. I remember training harder. I remember every training. I was like, I need trainers if I'm in a match right now. Pushing myself. Why? Because I had a vision that I wanted to be a professional footballer. I never achieved that vision. But it taught me something about when you have the vision, you're willing to make sacrifices. The problem, I think, with, with a lot of Christians today is we have a vision. But that vision isn't for the interests of Christ. It's for our own personal interests. Does this make sense? This isn't a heavy. This is an encouragement. Friends, like Timothy was that guy that would genuinely care for people, that would lay down his own interests for the interests of Christ. As the church of Jesus, that's what we need to be doing. So the first thing, the first illustration that Paul makes of, of this guy Timothy is that he was a man that was living for the benefit of others. He was a man that was not living and life that was all about himself. The second gentleman that he talks about is Epaphroditus. And he says some incredible things about Epaphroditus. He, he references it as three specific people. And if you turn or it's going to come behind me, Philippians 2 verse 25, Paul talking about Epaphroditus, he says this, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, and fellow soldier. There are three references that he makes to Epaphroditus, and I want to expand on those three references because I think they're hugely significant. The first key to living fullness of life, to living engaged, to living in fellowship, to living enthusiastically, is that we realize our life is not about ourselves. But the second thing which Paul references through Epaphroditus is we need to know our place. So many people do not know their place. Their place in this world. Their place as children of God. Their place in the purposes God has called them to. So through Epaphroditus, Paul talks about three key things to knowing your place. He refers to him as a brother, which to me speaks to family. He refers to him as a fellow worker, which to me speaks to function. And he refers to him as a fellow soldier, which to me speaks about a freedom of life. So I want to talk to those three areas of finding your place, finding your place in God, finding your place in the local church, finding your place in what God's called you to. Because friends, there's this incredible scripture in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that I absolutely love. It says, we are created in the image of Christ to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that amazing? We have been created in the image of Christ. To do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. I've got this picture of this bank counter and this teller behind this bank, and there's just this stack of cash behind the teller, and he's just waiting. He's waiting for people to come and draw this cash, but everyone's sort of hanging around in the lobby. No one wants to come to the bank today. And I feel the Lord is saying it to us. He's saying, guys, I've prepared good works in advance for you to do. All you need to do is you need to come to me so you can cash in. All you need to do, you need to come to the council, you need to hear my call upon your life so you can cash it in. So I want to talk very briefly to these three elements of finding your place. 
Firstly, as family, the incredible thing about becoming a Christian is that you don't just get a title, you don't just get a get out of jail free card, you know, you get to go to heaven, but you become a part of this incredible family with this incredible God who loves you incredibly. The sense of family is so critical for us as Christians to comprehend. It's so critical for us as Christians to understand it. Because our standing of our place in God's family determines the view from which we view everything. It's like a lens that you put on through which you see everything. I wear glasses. Okay? I'm actually a geek, very clever in this stuff. So I wear glasses. And who of you knows that those glasses have been made for my prescription? So what happens if, if Dan is struggling to see something, I said, I don't worry, buddy, wear my glasses. Is that going to help it? No, absolutely not. Why not? Because it's the right prescription. Now here's the incredible thing about this incredible father who loves us incredibly, is that he has got a father's heart prescription for every single one of us. And his father's heart's prescription for me differs to the one for Bruce, differs to the one for Sarah, differs to the one for Dan. His father's heart's prescription is a prescription which is individualized to perfectly fit me so that I can see things clearly. And I really get the sense that there's so many people here that are living with someone else's prescription, they're living with someone else's experience of this incredible father, they're living with someone else's revelation. And that prescription is blurring your view of who God is in your life. Friends, God is a Father and He wants an individual relationship with every single person here. That's the Father's heart. It's a personalized prescription to allow you to see Him more clearly. And then to allow you to see your role in the community of your church more clearly. And to allow you to see the plans that He has for you more clearly. But everything comes from the lens of how we see it. There's an incredible scripture in Romans 8, verse 14. And it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I want to stop there. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that obviously refers to sons and daughters. But the important thing there is we need to be led by the Spirit of God. There's something which is going around the church at the moment that the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit was for when the church first began. The Holy Spirit is a weird thing that only weird Christians participate in. The Holy Spirit is only there to allow us to understand the Bible verses that we read. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Can I say, friends, if that's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not living the fullness of life. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person that wants to get to know us. He's a person that was God's promise to us. When Jesus is there, can you imagine for a moment, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for three years. Their lives have been ripped upside down. 
They've seen the, the dead come to life. They've seen the lame healed. They've seen the blind seen. They've seen these incredible miracles. Jesus said to them, go and do like I have done. So they go and they've seen dead people rising from the dead. They've seen lame people walking. They pray for people. They get healed. Who of you know for three years like that, they may change your life. So for three years, they're walking with Jesus. They're listening to his teaching. Their lives have changed. And then he says to them, he says, I'm going. Who of you would have been a bit nervous? <laughs> His disciples are like, what, 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 what do you mean, God? You, you've changed our life. You, you've given us this vision. You've started explaining kingdom to us. You can't leave us now. And what does Jesus say to them? He says, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I do not go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Tell me, friends, that the Holy Spirit is just there to help you read the Bible. It is to your advantage that I, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, go, because if I do not go, I cannot send the Helper to be with you. I cannot send the Counselor to counsel you day in and day out. When you're devastated, when you have no hope, when the world is pounding you, there is a helper called the person of the Holy Spirit who creates a direct link between Jesus and ourselves. He is God. Yes. Friends, I got distracted. distracted. I wasn't actually going to go there. Romans 8 verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God and some of God, we need to be led by the Spirit of God every single day. He's a person who wants to be having a relationship with us. It goes on to say in verse 15, For you did not receive the Spirit of Savory to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption and sons by whom we cry, Abba Father. Can I tell you a sad reality? There's so many people, they come to know Jesus through an incredible experience. They give their lives to Jesus. This whole new world is opened up to them. There's a hope and an energy. And then slowly they start slipping back into Savory. They start slipping back into the spur of fear. You see, you cannot have a spur of adoption, spur of being a son, and spur of fear. When you have a spur of sonship, of daughtership on your life, there is no room for a spur of fear. Because when you know who your father is, perfect love drives out all fear. And he loves us perfectly. Fear is brought on by insecurity. And where there is perfect love, there is no insecurity. Friends, we've got to be living as a family with no insecurity, with no fear, but with this clear picture of who God is. And can I say, if you don't have a clear picture of who Father God is, awesome. There's this incredible text in Matthew 7 verse 7, and it says, Ask, and you will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks to see, everyone who knocks, the door is open to everyone who sees. Isn't that amazing? If you do not have a clear picture of God, what do you need to do? Father God, can we do that right now? Everyone, close your eyes for me. If you do not have a clear picture of the Lord God, this incredible Father, we're going to pray now, and I know we serve a Father who loves us, and He says us. So if that's you right now, just pray with me. Father God, I pray 
that you would allow me to see and know you. I pray that you would change the lens through which I currently see. I pray that you would issue me that new prescription of fatherly love that you have for me. And I pray that from today there will be a supernatural change that I would see and know who you are. My heavenly Father. I would know the delight that you have continuously on me. I would know the favor that you bestow on me as royalty. I would know that you don't count my sin against me, that you don't look at my past experiences, that you hold no great shame, but that you love me unconditionally and forever. Change my view of you, Father God. Amen. There's this incredible picture of the standard and people crying out, Abba Father. My daughter is just over two years old, Tyra Joy Hart. She actually celebrated her first birthday here at City Lights in Dubai, so, so there's always just this incredible, incredible bond. When I left the house, I was, I was coming in, and Tyra knows Dad and Sarah, and I was leaving the house, and I said, Do, do you know where Dad's going? And she's like, No. So I'm going to, to visit Dad and Sarah. So she goes, I want to see Dad and Sarah too. <laughs> so I'm like, Not this time, I don't Daddy's going to see Daddy Solomon. I'll be back soon. It's like, I want to see Daddy Solomon! <laughs> yeah, so I was crying. She, she wanted to see Daddy Solomon. But, but there's this incredible thing of children just about that. One of my favorite moments is in the morning. I've got an office at, at home as well. There's these wooden floors leading up to the office. And there's this, there's this big door, which is three quarter glass. And it's not sort of like wood from here. And I'll be sitting at my desk working early in the morning. And the highlight of my morning is when I hear these little steps. And it's not like walking steps. <laughs> and I know it's happening. Yes, and my daughter comes running, 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 and she gets to the glass door. And she can just see of the, of the wood. She can just see the glass. And she stands there. And I can't even see her smile, but I can see her eyes are smiling. And she stands there. And I know she's there. I'll carry on working for, for just a couple of seconds. And then I look at her. And she goes, and she opens the door and she runs in and I always, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what, what business I'm doing, if it's quiet, I'm leaving, I always turn to my tire and I pick her up and I throw her up and I love her. When this scripture says we cry out, Abba Father, that's the picture of it. When you can run into God's presence and say, Dad, Father, Abba Father, loving God, that's the picture I get of being family. And when you understand the Father's heart toward you, you can start showing that heart toward others. <laughs> the second thing that I want to share is once we understand fun, uh, family, we have to move to understand function. God has called us to be a family, but He's called us to have a particular function in that family. There's so many scriptures that, that I could read you just in terms of, of how God wants us to be functional in a church, how he wants to have us involved. Because he wants us to feel an ownership of being a part of his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. He wants us to feel an ownership to being a part of that bride. So there's a whole lot of scriptures that, that I could read and then I could talk for hours around finding your place, functioning in the body. But instead what I'd like to do, I'd, I'd like to read you six verses from the message translation of Romans 12. 
I'm not going to explain anything after these six verses. It just sets it up so amazingly. Find your function as a part of the local church. Romans 12, verse 1 through 6. It's going to come up behind me. Paul writing to the church in Rome. So here's what I want you to do by helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Starting point of punishment. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't you know that? Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you. The very well-formed maturity in you. Verse 3 says, I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude for all God has given me. Isn't that amazing? Whenever I speak to you, I speak out of gratitude for what God has first done for me. Not out of judgment. Not out of anything else. And especially if I have responsibilities in relation to you, every single person here, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, you have a responsibility to those sitting around you. And even more so, the responsibility to unsaved fruits, unsaved comments. Living there, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourself as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He has done for us, not by what we are and what we do for Him. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. If you are struggling to find meaning in your life, can I suggest that you haven't yet found a place in God's family? Can I suggest that you haven't yet found your role in the church? And when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about us meeting here on Sunday. I'm talking about the fact that we are the bride of Christ. That collectively we are the church. This is not a church. This is a building. Nice building, but a building. We are the church. And we find our meaning through functioning together as a well-oiled sheep, as a body. Every person that we are. Verse 5 goes on to say the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Please, each of you is chosen. Each of you is chosen. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, each of you is chosen. So, with the hammer, what's your name? Carl. Carl, I just, I just, oh God, he's got this incredible thing in your life. Incredible thing. I saw you walking around with, with, with sunglasses on. And I was almost like you were almost hiding behind these sunglasses. You were reflecting. Your surroundings, you're reflecting where you were going. I, I just saw this, this father come, he took your sunglasses off and he looked into your eyes and said, I chose you. Chose you. Bro, exciting things in this world. So exciting. God has chosen us, friends. That is amazing. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. I'm going to stop there. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his life. So we've spoken around family. We need to find our place in family by understanding this incredible father who's got an individual perspective 
of love for each one of us. But then we need to move from just being a son and a daughter. We need to start functioning. We need to find our place in the body. We need to start taking ownership of the collective core that's on this church. We need to start finding our place in the body. But it doesn't stop there either. Because we're called to be freedom fighters. We're called to be freedom fighters. I had this prophetic picture a little while ago when I was going to America. And uh, something that I just felt to, to share with you. I had this picture of a battle scene between David and Goliath. It's a battle scene that you can read in 1 Samuel 17, an incredible battle scene. And on the left hand side is David, and on the right hand side is Goliath. And I felt the Lord saying, Goliath represents this giant in our world that we live in. Goliath is the spirit of selfishness. It's a spirit with the, which is self-sustaining, self-gratifying, self-honoring, and self-centered. It's the spirit of the world. It's this incredible selfish spirit. And I found the Lord saying, for, for, for decades, the traditional church has been trying to slay this giant. But God is raising up a new breed of freedom fighter to take this giant down. And I saw the brook. And for those of you who don't know the story, David, shepherd boy, shuns all the traditional ways of trying to kill a giant. He doesn't go with armor, he doesn't go with a shield, he doesn't go with a spear or a sword. He goes with a sling and five smooth stones. And I found the Lord saying those five smooth stones represented five specific areas. They represented the area of entertainment, of business, of government, of education, and of medical. Who of you here can say that you're involved with one of those areas? Hang on. Either entertainment, business, government, medical, education. Hands up for me. Can I say God's calling you to be a human factor? Gone are the days of Christians thinking it's up to the pastor. Gone are the days of Christians thinking it's up to just what we do on a Friday, the service. We are called to be freedom fighters. I thought that those stones represent strategies that God has given people that would be spirit washed. The thing about those stones, they were only effective weapons because they were so smooth. That's what allowed them to cut through the head. And I thought the Lord is going to be washing people with strategies. Break. Bro, God is giving you strategies to break open nations of business. I really feel it. I feel God's calling me just to spend time in His presence. To go scrap the diary and block out time just to say, God, speak to me. Bro, you're a freedom fighter. Freedom fighter. God's giving you weapons of mass destruction that no traditional church would ever be able to, to leverage at this time. Stir it up, bro. Friends, God is calling us to be freedom fighters. I want to just show you David for a moment. And there were a couple of significant things that, that, that I thought about David. First, you can see he's got a sling in his hand. And I felt that sling represented the church. Now, sometimes God gives us a gift. He gives us a gift of business. He gives us a gift of, you know, making money. He gives us a gift of leadership. He gives us a, 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 a gift in a medical field or whatever it is. And we run off pursuing our gift. And that's not what I'm talking about. I really feel that those stones are going to be made effective and are going to gather momentum by being in the sea. 
And I just saw this picture of David taking his sword and just swinging it around, gaining momentum, faster, faster, faster. And I felt like there were people here in this church in those areas that God is calling you to commit to being a part of this local church. Stop being French, stop only being involved, stop being committed. And I feel that as you guys just submit to what God is doing through Daniel Solomon's leadership team, it was going to be like you're in the sling and you're just going to gain momentum, more and more momentum, more and more momentum, and more and more momentum. At the right time, you're going to be released and you're going to go to slay giants. We're called to live in community, we're called to live with accountability. And I feel that business people start connecting into this local church so that God can start generating momentum in your businesses. God wants us to slay giants, but we do it as a team. It's not limited to what happens in the church, but it's surely not limited just to what happens out there. It's a team effort. The last two things I want to point out about David is he's standing in two legs. And I felt those two legs were significant. I felt one leg was a cat. <laughs> I, I, I love animals and especially cats. It tastes particularly like chicken. But um, I'm, I'm sorry. Let's just move so long. David, standing on two legs. I felt that David needed to be standing firm with two legs. If you're going to be launching the sun to take down a giant, you're going to be gathering momentum, but you're going to be standing firm with two legs. And I felt those two legs were integrity and generosity. I felt the Lord is calling us as believers to be people of integrity. My integrity, I don't need people of our word, I need people of His word. Yes, we need to be people of our word, but more importantly, we need to be people of His word, because that allows us to live out of biblical integrity. But secondly, I feel that the other level is generosity. God is calling us to be generous, generous with our time, generous with our talents, generous with our treasure. I really feel, friends, that God is calling us to understand that we are not living for ourselves. We're living for the benefit of us. I feel that God is calling us to start knowing our place as family regarding function and being a freedom fighter. And I believe as we start grasping hold of that, I really believe that the prophecy that Ram had about new territory, new days, new future, God is building something to you. Is that cool? Right. Do you feel encouraged? Yes. Can I ask that we don't just walk having been convicted, but that we walk out here having felt God stirring something in our hearts that we will actually go in action beyond these four walls? What I'm going to ask now, Albert, if you wouldn't mind coming up. Albert is, is a leader uh, back in Bryanston with us. And, and We've both just been so incredibly excited about coming here with you. And I was asking you earlier, is this something on your heart that, that, that you feel that, that the Lord would just want to deposit in the life of City Lights and he had something to tell you? Uh, Tuesday night, we to watch Dave Matthew and, and um, afterwards, it was a great battle. It was seven, seven piece, seven, uh, seven guys, different instruments. Um, I haven't seen a band like I've been to a lot of bands. And most of the time, the emphasis on the lead guy. Um, the, 
the drums, the bass guitarist, and maybe another guitarist. The emphasis on the lead guy, his uh, gifting, him singing. But it wasn't like that. Dave Matthews, if you, if you hear the band, you think it's a guy's name in the band. So it's divided. It's almost like Dave, you know, like uh, Dan saw the band of the church. But it's not like that. At one point, Dave was actually, so over there you had like a guy with a saxophone, a trumpet. Over here was the violinist, Dave. Um, and there was another guy, I can't remember what he played. And then the drummer. At one point, Dave was right off the scene. Emphasis was on the trumpet, emphasis was on the saxophone. That's what was needed for that song. Another song, emphasis was on the violinist. And Dave was Messiah. Then Dave came back again. And he led them, and at one point they were all playing together, and it was a great sound. My wife and I spoke afterwards and said, that's the church. At certain points, certain giftings are needed. You have your leaders, you lead them, you play them. That is Dan and Saul, they're the visionary leaders. But as one church, you've got one mission, and different giftings, and different emphasis at different times. And as a church, we have to have faith in this one vision. Just as we have faith in God, we need to have faith in the church. We need to have faith in where the God is taking the church. The, the Bible says that uh, we have to make known to the rulers and authorities the wisdom of God. It's through the church that the manifold wisdom needs to make made known to the world. It's through the church that we need to make known to the world the love of God, the love of God is bestowed on each one of us. And it's not just through dead and slaughter. It's through each one of us. We have to go out. We have to make disciples of people. We have to make disciples of nations. That's what that's what Trevor said. We want a vision. Everyone playing a part in his body. And we need to have a faith for it. We need to have faith to see the church grow. We need to believe in the church. And we need to grow this church together. And that's what I'm faithful. That's what I want to pray for you. Wonderful. So this morning, I really believe God is so us. And I'm going to allow people just to ring now, just to make a stand and say, Lord, you know what? Yes, I'm feeling convicted, but I actually wanted to see change in my life. So if that's you, if you want to see change, I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray a prayer of faith to say, Lord Jesus, we want to be different. We want to know our role in the family. We want to function effectively, as I was been saying, in this church. But Lord, we want to be feeling Is that cool? I want to pray for people who just want to have their hearts stirred in faith. Can I invite you to stand? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us, even right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're changing lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking into people's hearts right now. Oh, Lord, speak to us right now. Just ask God, ask God right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, Lord God, speak to you. Lord, we want to be a family. Lord, we, we want to be a fully functioning church. But Lord, we want to step out in boldness as freedom fighters. Laying our lives down for this, this incredible King and your incredible kingdom. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would touch hearts, that people this morning would leave changed, never to be the same again. Lord, I pray for city lights. I pray for a church that is already making an impact in the nations. And I pray, Lord, that you would extend their influence. Lord, I pray that you would raise up people in this church. I pray that you would raise up business people. I pray that you would 
raise up people in the marketplace as these washed stones that you're going to use to bring down these giants in the world. Lord, I pray for a blessing on businesses that as business people commit to you and commit to your ways, that you would just open up floodgates in their business. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for relationships that are struggling. Lord, families. Lord, marriages. Lord, I pray that you would come now and restore like only you can. That as people extend their faith to you, that you would come and be shown as the Almighty God, great I am. Lord Jesus, we stand before you this morning declaring that we love you. Declaring that we live our lives for you. Oh Lord, we love you, God. Lord, this isn't an, an emotive response. This is a heartfelt response. Lord, I never want to be the same again. Lord, I want to be used more by you. I want to be used by you, Lord Jesus. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your world being done on this earth. Lord, I want to see most of the people come to know you. Lord, I want to see the lost saved. I want to see the, the, the lame healed. I want to see those who are suffering and oppressed and set free. Lord, I want to see justices be, be put right. Oh, Lord God, I want to see your name exalted. We love you, Lord Jesus.